You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Time now for Listen with Liston. And the Liston in question is, of course, Liston Mainchies, independent financial analyst. Liston, the unemployment data, which is our monthly, one of our monthly sojourns into the world of finance, said the following. Unemployment ticked up to 3.7% in June from 3.6% in May. Wage inflation, as measured by average hourly earnings, stayed unchanged at 3.1% year-on-year in June. And, of course, I'm talking about the U.S. non-farm payrolls data for the month of June, increased by 224,000 people, which is a staggering number considering the market was expecting 160,000. It's a lot of jobs when you're essentially at full employment. Yeah, pretty well is. I I think it's almost a steady state number if you add the previous month and the current one. So if you take the 80-odd thousand and everybody hyperventilated, it meant Jerome Powell would be cutting rates three to four times this year. The world is in a flat spin. It's falling over. Golly, now we get a number 225. It's so good. It's terrible. Oh, my goodness me. They're not going to cut rates. Maybe they are. I I just actually quite get quite concerned that people think that this is what is really important. It is an important number to get, but the series is so volatile. And you and I, you and I know this because we've talked about it for over 10 years. Um, you know, I prefer to look at the site. It is the... the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics in America, and the site is bls.gov. And in particular, I like what is called Table A1. And Table A1 kind of gives a much better picture for me. They have two big columns, one called not seasonally adjusted, one called seasonally adjusted. And we've discussed this many times. I do not know where the seasonal adjustment numbers come from. But what they do do is to, is to at least be comparative on seasonal adjusted. They go right back to June 2018. So in June 2018, the unemployment rate was 4 in June 2019, it's 3.7. Okay. So that definitely is an improvement. So never mind it. looking over the month, it went from 3.6, it was ticked up from 3.6 to 3.7. And indeed, if you look at the not seasonally adjustment, the unemployment uh, rate went up from 3.4 to 3.8. Now, you see, I just don't think that looking at a monthly number in isolation, perhaps even forgetting what it was last month and why we were so concerned about it a month ago. But what we do know is the point you made right at the start. We're virtually at full employment. And uh, I particularly look, you know, at the numbers for uh, uh, people aged 20 years and over. So men 20 years and over, the unemployment rate, not seasonally adjusted, 3.2. Women 20 years and over, not seasonally adjusted, 3.5. And again, and we've seen it as the problem, you know, over all the time, is the uh, both sexes 16 to 19 years. So this is now the under 20s, you know, lumped together. And the unemployment rate there is still a very worrying 15%. But, you know, I've been watching this, you know, for an awfully long time. And it does jump up, particularly when schools go out, which is round about the end of May into June. And so you often get people leaving university and school who report for unemployment simply because they haven't yet got a job. And in fact, they might not be seeking one particularly for more than a couple of months if they're going on to university. So what I'm saying is we have quite a, a noisy series uh, involved in all this. But Lindsay, just to 
put the perspective on it, and it, this is actually the one that, 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 that I referred to a moment back. I cannot understand how there is so much written about what Jerome Powell might do because of it. Most of those opinions are very leaky. You know, they, they do not have any sound basis at all, but they're looking at the last number, and suddenly we all go into a paroxysm. As it turns out, result of that and various other commentaries, we saw on the, on the day before the 4th of July, world markets almost universally hitting new highs. And at the end of last week, at, at, at weekly new highs, uh, everything barring uh, the, uh, a couple of markets in the east, notably China and the, and the Hang Seng. And as you know, there's a fairly good reason for that yes. uh, called uh, trade wars and or who are we? Yes, exactly. What I look at here, let's go back to the jobs numbers now, and I'll, I'll talk to you about the attack on the Federal Reserve by the US President Donald J. Trump. Labor force participation rate was 62.9%, little changed over the month and unchanged over the year. So nice, steady stuff. The unemployment rate was little changed at 3.7%, nice, steady stuff. Average hourly earnings for all employees on private non-farm payrolls rose by six cents, six cents to $27.90, following a nine cent gain in May. Uh, good, steady stuff. Over the past 12 months, average hourly earnings have increased by 3.1%, which is decent enough. It's a just probably slightly above inflation. The average work week for all employees on private non-farm payrolls was unchanged at 34.4 hours in June. What happened to the days of a 40-hour week plus, which can you do 40 hours in a day sometimes, Liston? What gets me is it's all so steady and normal and predictable, which is what markets want, surely. Which is what the Fed wants as well. Stability and price stability are, are two of the important ones. And unemployment, my goodness me, this sounds like, you know, a hat trick. We have everything we wanted. Yes. So let's drop rates or let's raise rates or let's do something. I think if my name's Jerome Powell, I'm going to say, guys, there's no need to do anything. We are, everything is going perfectly steady. Which is not so what again, Mr. Trump thinks because he's having a go at the US Federal Reserve saying that the big problem is not the competitors to the United States. In other words, China and Europe. It is the Federal Reserve, an extraordinary tirade of abuse against the US Federal Reserve. And I don't know why oh, the market is so numbed to this sort of thing because well, well, no, it is dangerous. Again, it is what I call, you know, erratic Trump at his best. He was the one who put Jerome Powell there, believing he was the best man for the job. And he's done nothing but slag him ever since, saying Draghi would do a better job and he, the Fed hasn't got a clue. Uh, all I know is if I'm Jerome Powell, I'll say the US president hasn't got a clue. And yeah. I'll tell you which of those two I believe more. Yes. Yeah, me too. And we don't need to postulate on that one because it is very, very clear indeed. So, listen, we've got this uh, this jobs number. At some stage, it's going to start to tail off because there literally aren't enough people unless the, the immigration numbers start to build up, which seems unlikely with Mr. Trump in charge. There's not going to be enough people who need jobs. The jobs are being created, but there won't be enough people to fill those jobs, whether they're strawberry pickers or computer programmers. So where to now? No, well, I think exactly, and it's as you and I have discussed it, uh, the, one of the biggest problems that has faced the world probably from 2009 onwards is that they have exploded the money supply. 
And they assumed a trickle-down effect, which by and large has happened far less than they imagined it would. It has made wealthy people incredibly wealthy. So the, aid, the, the, the wealth gap has increased. The second place is that it was supposed to produce inflation. Why people want inflation, I don't know. I think non-inflation is perfectly good. Thank you very much. But they want inflation. Now, the problem is that if your price of money is negative, and that's what you're, you're anticipating prices to do over the next year, otherwise, why would you invest negatively? You know, if you expect inflation of 8, you want to at least earn 8%. If you expect inflation of four, you want to earn at least four. So if you're pricing uh, uh, the future at negative, you're expecting negative inflation. So goodness knows. Uh, but the point about it is that the inflation has occurred, but not in the places they wanted it. It has occurred in property prices and not necessarily the offices and the industrial stuff, but in terms of house prices. It has increased the affordability and, my goodness me, availability is another word as well. I mean, I get things across my uh, email regularly saying, you have been pre-approved for a loan of. Mm -hmm. Now, just send back details. And I say, well, you know, delete that one. Yes. Next. Um, <laughs> so the point I'm trying to make here, though, is that the Fed has painted itself into a corner the actual loan numbers are now higher than they were before the global financial crisis. They cannot be seen raising rates into that in any way that looks aggressive. As long as they don't do that, more money is looking for anything better than minus a half a percent or even a half a percent. And you can get dividend yields of 1%, 2%, and in many cases, 3 in various other, other jurisdictions, you can do better. And as you know, in South Africa, you know, if you uh, uh, believe that all sorts of things are going to go right and that the uh, Reserve Bank governor will allow a rate cut in the near future, you can lock in 8%. My goodness me, I think 8% is a lot better than minus 0.5. And so, of course, when you're, when you're thinking of doing that, you're, you've got to worry about what do you think the RAND will do. And so an, an awful lot, but... It, Bear in mind, this is exactly the what I call the investment problem, whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's the, the listeners. You have to decide where to put money. And I definitely wouldn't put it on a negative return, even for a year. And I definitely wouldn't put it on a 1% return for 100 years, which Austria just managed uh, fairly recently. And just to put that one in perspective, and it was beautifully done by somebody else, but I had used the idea previously. Yes. If you buy a bond, it has zero growth in it in terms of its, its original coupon. And it's on a PE multiple of 100. Would you buy a non-growth company on a PE of 100? I just don't know. Something must have gone wrong in the, in the lexicon or in the new textbooks or in what they call, you know, the modern monetary policy. But I, I look at that and I just shake my head. And it wasn't a small amount that they raised either. Listen, what do you think about uh, risky assets like equities? Because we have a bet going on and uh, I, I sort of switch off every time I see the S&P making a new high because I know I've lost another half, half a case of wine. <laughs> but, but what do you think about it at the moment? Let me repeat the very, the very underlying, as I was trained in investments, the underlying is what the companies do and what earnings they are capable of producing. 
Prices are in the minds of the participants, and one day they like tomatoes, the other day they don't like tomatoes. You know, so it's really a question of what is the underlying uh, earnings likely to do. And that's actually the dichotomy we've got at the moment, because actually the news of the U.S. economy and of business uh, expenditure and business plans is all negative, yet the market is going up. So I think we've seen this show before, Lindsay, and the only problem you and I both have is to know when the party will be over. So whether we're at 5 to 11 or 5 to midnight now, I think it's quite difficult to say. But in terms of our bet, remember, I gave it that extra chance because of, you know, the summer coming through and people having not much else to do except push share prices. But I do think come the colder winter months, come the um, – debt ceiling that they're bound to run into around about uh, September, October, I think there can be all kinds of negative reactions. So it's very difficult to call levels. It's very difficult to call uh, amounts. But the fact of the matter is that we're in an Indian summer period where, where you are, it's summer. But I'm saying or with the North Americans, it's summer. Where we are, it's winter, but we're in that patch where everything is going quite nicely and sweetly. And by the way, we're talking about corn and problems of rain in the in the wheat and the corn in America. Now, all I can tell you is as a farmer, which I'm not, you would prefer to have wet soil than dry soil because if you don't get rain, they perish. And it can't be everywhere, and water does flow downhill. So somewhere along the line, they're going to be planting, and I reckon the crop that they get will be probably better than the estimates they're getting now. Sure, they're planting late, uh, and, and corn, as you probably know, is a 90-day crop. Right. So if you plant in late July, you know, you're, you're moving into October. That's, that's a pretty uh, tricky situation from frost, snow, whatever. But we have global warming. And so all I'm saying is however much people want to put that you know, in as some kind of spook as an additional item. If you want to hear the real spook, I believe it is, as, and we discussed this, I think, on our last podcast, is the Straits of Hormuz. Uh, you actually have a situation where two, can we call them erratic and or belligerent people are in charge of buttons. And mm. anything could happen if one of them decides to press. Yes, well, let's, uh, let's not talk about that ghastly prospect list. And, but uh, thank you very much for your analysis on all things, but especially on the U.S. labor situation, which is fascinating. And at some stage, there's going to be a month where we, we actually lose jobs. We did it once, but it hasn't been the norm. Oh, just very, very, very finally, I saw a tweet from somebody who was an anti-Trumpster. And he said that during the Obama years, the average monthly increase in jobs was 200 and something thousand and during the Trump administration it has been much less than that so it's slowed down which I think is a spurious argument but things are going to slow down aren't they? Oh yeah no I, I, again you know uh, there are limits to growth and, and when you have absolutely full employment where are the new jobs going to be created? As you and I know, in the summer in the United States, all sorts of new jobs are created from summer camp counselors to ice cream sellers on the beach. Just wait till the schools go back and uh, suddenly those jobs are no longer there. So I think you have it right. Listen, thank you very much for your time. Liston Manches is an independent financial analyst and you can contact him by going to liston at liston.co.za. 
That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.